Welcome, traveler. You have entered the realm of adventure. Prepare yourself for tales from beyond the dice. Welcome back. We play role-playing games like Dungeons and Dragons 5th Edition and more. I am your DM Luke and your players are... Ben, I play Cortain. Hope you're having a nice pandemic lockdown. Kind of dark. I don't know why. I went there. <laughs> I, You've, uh, it's a really light tone you've set. That's right. I can only get more cheery from there. Let's, let's do this. It seems like, seems, seems like margaritas make me dour. <laughs> Good to know. Sour? Did you say they make you sour? They are sour and make me dour. Also in the dark is our podcast, but I'm playing Spigs. And that will make you happy. So let's get this show on the road. Uh, Trav, little moss. Woo! And I'm <laughs> Levi. And I play Lokag, who's drinking a can of sludgy happiness. Oh, that sounds worse than the previous drink you were drinking. Yeah, I thought we were getting, making it happier. But that's just sounds Yeah, sad. no, it is happy. It's just like <laughs> chocolatey and oh, just... Mm. It's, it's just it's chocolatey. Like, oh. you, know, you know, like, um, what's his name? Muck from Pokemon? Yeah. And Grimer, he's yeah. like a happy little sludge guy, you know? That's true, he's pretty chill. He's pretty chill. Chilling out, yeah. enjoying life. Yeah. You know he's made entirely of pollution, right? Yeah, it's true. He cleans up the sewers. He's not, he making, like he's not making pollution, he the... is pollution. Hmm. Yeah, he's like when you've had way too much Mexican food, he is the aftermath. <laughs> anyway. So we'll begin with Little Moss. You wake up in an unfamiliar room with an unfamiliar ceiling high arches made from this light grey speckled concrete you're laying on some sort of wooden bench and there's a pillow underneath your neck this place doesn't look familiar at all you smell a strange stench and as you lift your head you notice that your turtleneck around your shoulders, chest, arms has been melted and burnt across your body in these strange patterns. Ew. And you think to yourself, the fuck could have done that? And then the last thing you remember before everything went dark was that weird skull, that purple black skull shattering in your hands. You remember pain coursing through your body and looking out on the street seeing Lokag holding that car door staring at you with wide eyes. And as you look about the room you're in it displays various sized steel doors built into the east wall. The west wall has an old wooden set of shelves with dusty glass behind which ancient books rest undisturbed by time. You look over your shoulder towards the south, and there is a wall of simple concrete with huge, a huge set of characters painted in yellow. It says V-02. Then you look past your feet again as you prop yourself up on your hands, looking towards the north wall, and you see a massive round metal door, a vault door, decorated with large rivets, bolts, and nuts and complicated machinery. I want you to roll a perception check for me. Okie dokie. Uh, 16. As you're looking around, you notice some small, old-school white surveillance cameras in the corners of the room, and there are little red lights blinking on them. It's quiet. Eerily quiet. This is some weird hospital, man. Where am I? What are you doing? Do you want to just... I mean, I presu- I'm just laying there, I guess. But um, I think I'm a little bit freaked out. Uh, can I try and get up? Yeah, you can. Uh, I try and stand. You stand and there is like this strange light aching in your joints. From your ankles, your knees, wrists, elbows, shoulders, running down your back. And as you look down at your hands, yeah, as they're tingling, you see this slight ever so slight ethereal blackish purple energy sort of ripple out of your hands and then just disappear like it was never there cool can i do that thing where you like put it up in front of your face and like try and move it real quick doesn't show again ah lame the room is lit by these fluorescent 
lights that are hanging from the ceiling, from these arched ceilings. I try um, and check for bullet wounds. Did I get shot or something? Can I check myself out? You check your shoulder because bullets passed through the skull and one hit you in the shoulder. As you check it, you move away your basically destroyed black turtleneck and there is a square bandage that is stuck down over a wound and you can see a little red sort of marking underneath it. You feel on the other side and there is also another patch. So someone has patched you up. Cool. Um, Can I look up to one of the um, security cameras and flip it off? All right. In another room somewhere else. The rest of you are standing around a table in the Darkhaven Library. You are in that little basement section that you were all taken to when you first met the guys at the Darkhaven Library. They took you downstairs to show you an old tome that had a list of names, and amongst those names were Spig's parents. And on the shelves, there were all of these old artifacts that have been catalogued and books and stuff like that you're in that room in a section that you haven't really been in before you are all staring at a large metal framed box with these glass windows on each side of it including the top it's sitting there on this old wooden table now within the box there are purple black crystal like fragments that are floating around this black orb, this abyssal orb, this orb that's so black, light does not reflect off of its surface, and it looks almost two-dimensional, purple, black tendrils of energy writhing and tethering the shards of this once skull to the orb. The shards never stray more than a few inches from this abyssal orb. Lorien is there with you. It is called an Oblixus Rend, otherwise known as a Skull of the Withered One. It's an artifact of immense power, and I didn't even know it was in the city. There was no trace of its power. When I've searched and felt out into the ethereal air of New Etica, I pick up on traces of magical items, you see. But this, this one I could not find. I did not notice it was here. It seems that those metal pieces, and you see those little gilded metal pieces that were on the outside of the skull, Lokag, you see them sort of just floating there as well, being tethered by that purple-black energy. It seems that they were some sort of framework that cloaked its magic. Very interesting. Now, this is a very powerful relic. I wonder to whom those Yuntungs were selling the artifact and what they want with the power that was, that is contained within it. The tests I've done show me that Little Moss has been infused with a portion of the magic that was held within the Oblixus Rend. But what that means is a mystery. I'm not sure if you are well versed on magical things, but there are various types of magical essence coursing through him there are different schools of magic and his is indistinguishable it sort of changes now all we can do is go in there ask him a few questions see if he's okay make sure he's still the little moss that you know and if we can give him the all clear then we open the vault door and let him go free he can join and us. And if he and if he isn't the same, well, do you, do you need me to bring old Thunderfire Cannon in there? You bastard! <laughs> do, do you? Sorry. Are you suggesting that we we kill him? I don't know. Like what extent? Like maybe he's gone psychopath. I don't know. What? It's magic. I mean, that's like that's the pot calling the kettle black. Saying that he might be a psychopath now. Uh, oh, sorry, or he was one. Ah, uh, okay. So, no, no much difference then. No, I'm saying that, you know, we're all a little bit like psychopaths. But you built a giant 10-foot-high mechanical dog for your 
kids and you you made it so that it was essentially a walking tank. That's slightly psychotic. I don't know. Protecting family doesn't sound too bad. Well, what about who, who's little boss you then that you that you just want to go and off him so quickly? I'm just I'm just there's protection in case he wakes up and I don't know he starts bringing the end of the world. I honestly doubt he will bring upon the end of the world because um, he probably would have done so already if the power was that powerful to disrupt the entire planet it would have already taken place now um also i'm pretty sure you spent a couple weeks building a whole new weapon why are you still carrying around your thunder fire cannon uh you know i'm still getting used to the new one still got a couple tweaks before i start using it probably you know next time we go out i might swap over Good, because you were making quite a lot of noise banging around in there when I was trying to do research, and if you've left that room without making anything substantial, then... then... Anyway, we'll have a discussion about whether or not and what we should do with Little Moss if he is not him, okay? And then he... Lorian turns to Lokag, he says, Then, Lokag, we can have our discussion about our business with you. Is that okay? Yeah, right. I reckon this might have cleared some debts, but yeah, we probably should talk about that. Good. Um, I believe Duna set up the computer system, and we have been monitoring him, so let's, let's see if he is awake. And he turns around, walks through this basement area, up the stairs, and you guys follow him back to the library center where he does all of his study. There are all the books and those green-topped, glass-topped lamps and bookshelves and old computers. And on one of the tables, there is this old CRT set up with a microphone and this box with all these flashing lights. Dune notices you all coming he looks over to you Lokag and he sort of just picks up some things some tools and stuff and he walks away and disappears amongst the shelves Lorian notices and he doesn't say anything about it he walks over to the CRT it's got like that snow crash static black and white little fuzz and he presses some buttons on that machine with all the lights and it flicks through to the vault. And Little Moss is there. He sits up, props himself up. He is looking around the room. He looks at his hands for a second. And then he brings them a little, little bit closer and looks at them closer. And then he stops and just patiently looks around the room. He looks up at one of the cameras. And then he gives them the finger. <laughs> yeah, he's the same. I've set up this microphone. Did one of you want to speak to him? See, just make sure. So it's this old chrome microphone. The head of it is also chrome with all of these black sort of slits and slots. And on the base, there is a like a toggle that says on off. And then there is a little volume control as well. The, the switch is set to off. Switch it to on and over the microphone. I say, Little Moss. God? It's Cortain. Odd? What do you mean, Odd? No, is this God? Oh, no, it's Cortain. Cortain, are you God? I don't think so. But you, I'm talking to you through the surveillance system. Cool. How do you do that? Never mind. What do you want? want to see how you are. You gave us a bit of a fright. Yeah, well, you know, something... Something weird happened. I don't feel so good. What do you What do you mean you don't feel so good? Ah, uh, like I am busting to go to the toilet, and like there's absolutely no amenities in here. Like I'm gonna destroy a corner of the room soon if something isn't done about this. That sounds pretty normal. <laughs> I don't know why that that's unusual. Oh, I'm sore and stuff, and I think I got shot in the shoulder, and my turtleneck is ruined, and I'm pretty upset about that. Okay, but you don't, uh, you don't feel, feel different, like, you know, you might want to destroy all sentient life? Um, no more than usual, I guess. 
I mean, you know, just the base amount. <laughs> base amount. Okay. Like, you know, people that cut you off um, when you're, like, riding a hoverboard. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, okay. Uh, uh, you know, people that are cruel to animals. Um, but, you know, no more than usual. Like I said, the normal amount. Okay. Um, what do you think about Spig's giant dog, mechanical dog? Well, I think it's stupid. How and, dare you! Um, <laughs> I, I turn off the mic and say, he, yeah, he's, he's fine. <laughs> he's, uh, he's still with it. I turn the mic back on. Yeah, I mean, who lets their, their family near, like, a giant mechanical dog? Like, what if it crushes the toddler? Cortain is just looking at Spigs, just, like, nodding. It is... It is just... It's bordering on irresponsible. Just nodding. Really. I mean, you know... And that's coming from me. Me! Like they say in rehab, never let a large mechanical dog near a small child. Sounds, sounds like wise words. Lorian turns to Cortain and he says... Do they actually say that at uh, rehab? I turn off the mic and say, I don't know. He, he, he often he often starts starts the sentence with, as they say in rehab. So who knows? I'll turn it back on. It's only it's only been a recent thing. I don't know, like since that whole since we got famous and everything. Maybe he ended up in I rehab. Yeah, I just turn the mic on, you idiots. <laughs> Little Moss, can you can you tell us everything you remember about? From, from when you had gotten that object uh, and so, before all the, the weirdness happened. Can you tell us what, what so happened? I jumped over the counter, grabbed the box, saved the day, got the goods, and then I got shot. And then everything went black. That's pretty well what happened. You don't remember anything else? Yeah, Lokag was like being a chauffeur, and I'm like, what the hell, dude? I just got shot, and then I blacked out. I turn off the mic. Does that, the locag, that sounds like what happened? That's, there was a bit more flesh to it, but that's pretty well what happened. The, does he, does he remember the skull thing? Turn the mic back on. Do you remember Are the you turning the mic off on me? Are you talking behind my back? Like, you just disappear for, for moments at a time and just really off-putting. I am turning the mic off and on. What, what are you keeping from me? Well, well, we're, we're, we're concerned that that object might have affected you. Well, I'm concerned that I don't have a toilet in here. So, can we sort well, this out pretty quick? Okay, we will. If not, I'm sure I'm sure Spigs can can whip up a, a small little Roomba that will explode to clean it up. Well, I've got a bucket for him if he wishes. I like the idea of the Roomba better. Just saying, like that sounds pretty great. A Roomba that cleans. <laughs> that cleans <laughs> pretty, I couldn't even do any character. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a Pumba. Pumba. Bumba. <laughs> okay, so what do you think, Lauren? Orion? Um Do you think he's worth it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think if you guys if you guys think it's okay, I'm happy to open the door. Look, I think he's the. I think he's the same. Like, he acts the same. He's got the same memories. And we took down a giant pebble eating monster thing. So we could we could take Moss down if he goes insane and tries to destroy the world. Mm. I mean, he's much smaller than that big purple monster creature. So I guess it'd be much easier. Okay. Um. Well then, why don't you all follow me down to one of the vaults and we shall. Uh... Let Little Moss out. He goes over to the microphone, flicks it up, and says, Little Moss, uh, Lorian here. Uh, won't be too long. Uh, no. Hold on. We'll have you to the toilet in no time. He flicks it off. Hurry! I turn the mic on, so you just don't think of waterfalls. You guys go back down to the basement to sort of this just plain green door. Opens it, walks through this hallway, which takes you to another hallway. But on this hallway there are these three vaults the middle one v02 lorian goes up he ruffles around in his coat pulls free this key plugs it in turns it he then turns this knob combination lock he then places the uh 
It takes the key out, places it in another section, turns it, does another combination lock. And then he turns this crank. And then you guys hear the machinery working. This door automatically unlocks everything and then opens up. Lauren, what's... Is there anything in the other two vaults? Uh, yes, there are things in those vaults. Do you care to elaborate? <laughs> I don't want to offend you or anything, Mr. Cortain, but the contents of these vaults and the artifacts and relics that we collect uh, is sensitive and only members of the Keepers of Law are to know what they are and only if they have the correct clearance level. And since you are not a member and you don't have the clearance, I wish not to tell you. Sorry. And then he cranks this other crank and he pulls open the small door section. And little Moss, you see the door open up and you see your friends there. Lorian turns to you, Spigs, and says, Lokak knows of some of the items that he has collected, but he does not know what is in these vaults. Do you? Oh, I could guess, but nah, Just not really. Just give us a guess, Lokag. What's, uh, what's in the vault? Oh, well, there was like a rod of destruction or like it had like shoot beams and such, but I don't know if that's in this vault or in one of the other vaults. Cool. So yeah, just a guess. People can't see. People can't see me. Little Moss, you are free. You can go to the toilet. I'm hiding around the corner. Like, so that people couldn't see me when the door opened, and I'd put a sheet over the top of me, and I'd jump out in front of people, and I'm like, I'm a ghost! <laughs> I shoot them three times my revolver. <laughs> Why would you shoot at a ghost? <laughs> He's got anti-ghost bullets. <laughs> <laughs> they call them, they call them, they call them ghoulets. Uh, oh. That's not bad. Ghoulets. Well, little moss, follow me. I'll show you the way to the toilet. You better run. Yeah, right. Let's go. Sorry about the, the turtle now. I break into a log jog. Is that when you're trying to hold in a poop but trying to get to the toilet? <laughs> yeah, you got to clean. All right. We've all been there. So after Lokag shows Little Moss to the toilets and Little Moss relieves himself, you all adjourn in the center of the library. Sitting in the armchairs and the, the, like the couches and stuff that are there, Lorian says... Lokag, I think it's time to discuss our business. Now, Dune, he's feeling quite upset. He doesn't wish to be here right now. So I hope things aren't too awkward if we talk about it without him. I think it's for the best. Okay. So, Spigston, we sent you on that little mission to find Lokag because he knew where a particular artifact where he knew, he knew where it was or where it was last seen because the three of us were out looking for it when things went wrong. Lokag, we both know most of the story. You tracked it down to three possible locations and the three of us had planned to check one of the locations each and at a time. It was very hard to get a hold of you because... Well, because you you know why. Now, this is some information that I'm happy to give you, even though you are not members of the Keepers of Law. Because it is very important. I picked up a trace on this item when I was investigating the keys. Those keys that we ended up getting back from the edict. Um, those keys, I would like to talk to you about at another time, for they are powerful, well, they can literally unlock powerful things, but at the moment, the item that Lokag lost uh, is more important, is more dangerous, where the keys, I'm not quite sure how dangerous they are, so the item that we are looking for, that we had been searching for, that we had found and lost, and then had disappeared for a uh, time, 
is the helm of the undying. And then we'll go to a flashback. We see Dune in his waistcoat, corduroy pants, and a long grey duster. A shotgun is slung over his shoulder with a strap, and he's creeping down a dirty, musty hallway. The walls are covered in graffiti, and only light comes from the dirty windows at the end of the hall and from beneath the doors of the apartments. Dull, thudding music can be heard along with loud TVs. He slowly approaches apartment 814. He stops at the front of the apartment and listens carefully. (laughs) Behind the door, there is coarse laughing and coughing. He pulls free his mace, the corners of which glow blue, and readies his stance. His shoulder charges the door and slams into the smoke field. A small TV lights the three goons in a blue-green light. One of them points his submachine gun at Dune, but he's too slow. Dune swipes the mace. We see the hallway, cracks and thuds are heard. Not cracks of guns, but wet cracks of skulls and bones breaking. We then see the room. Dune stands there, places his mace down on the couch. It's covered in blood. He flips open his old style communicator and pulls up the aerial. He looks down at the mess. We then see an alleyway, pitch black, dark, besides the purple neon tubes spelling out high above an old roller door. Five men stand underneath the lights. Lorian walks out from the darkness, a scepter in hand. The pink orb atop this golden rod begins to glow. And one of the men, a gangster, with a cybernetic jaw, spits out his cigarette and thrusts his leather-clad hand forward, pointing. What the fuck is that? His hand drops a little because he didn't hear himself say those words. He actually can't hear anything at all. He can't hear the wind. He can't hear his friend who's telling a story. He can't hear the bottle that he just knocked off the bin as it smashes to the ground. One of his allies turns to see what his friend is pointing at. Another pulls free a pistol. A spiraling blast of what seems like a miniature blizzard blasts from Lorian's hand and envelops the five gangsters. After a few seconds, the fury of snow and ice subsides. There, The five gangsters stand, frozen in poses of action. Lorian walks up to them, looks over their belongings, and pulls free a keycard. He flicks it with his thumb, and then swipes it through the scanner to the right of the roller door. Lorian looks up at the purple neon tube lighting above. It flickers off. We see Lokag standing in the back area of a dry cleaners holding a large metal box by the handle. A tanto, a small elven blade is protruding from his shoulder. Around him are the bodies of seven elven gangsters. Lokeg, you leave the dry cleaners out into the alleyway. You're stumbling, you're a little dizzy, because you've lost quite a lot of blood. Your friend, Yuzuko, who gets you your stuff, he's nearby. And you know he can fix you up really quick so you can get back to the library with with the relic. You make your way through the alleyways, through the tight streets of Azuma, past the ramen stores, the pawnbrokers, the mini casinos, and the other businesses that you rush past. You find Yuzuko's apartment. You're feeling dizzy and sleepy, and you're surprised you got there. You knock sluggishly, and you hear bolts sliding Locks clicking, a beeping sound, and the door opens a crack. A small chain tethers the door to the doorframe. Look, you're here for some more. He stares at you, wide-eyed, noticing the tanto still stuck in your arm, bleeding from your mouth, from the wound that the small sword is sticking out of, from various cuts along your body. What? Are you okay? Come in, come in. He pulls the chain free of the door and lets you into his apartment. Lock, you're bleeding. What happened? What have you done? Who'd you steal it from? As he looks down at the metal case in your hands. He goes into the kitchen and begins rummaging around. 
he returns with a bottle of golden bliss bourbon and a bag of Helios powder and the small med kit. He says, drink, it'll help with the pain. The Helios will help, well, <laughs> it'll help with life. No charge, this one's on the house. But I've got some people coming around to lock and well, I might have a big time job ahead of me. He stitches you up and you still feel really lightheaded and dizzy. And the both of you begin going through the bottle and the bag of Helios until there's a knock at the door. That's them. Lock, you gotta go. Go in my room. Rest there, don't come out. He helps you up and ushers you over to his room. Closes the door. Yozuko calls out, Coming! As he looks around and he tidies up a little. Lokeg, he sees your communicator on the couch. It's ringing and it says Dune across the screen. Yozuko clicks the power off and runs to the front door, opening it. Three Gasuto Mecha gangsters walk into the apartment and one of them is carrying a large server hard drive and you are lying on Zukuko Z Why do I make such a hard fucking name? <laughs> Yuzuko. Yuzuko's bedroom floor and you're thirsty as all heck. It feels as if you cannot breathe. You open the door and stumble out and you interrupt the meeting. Now there are a few things you remember and the rest just isn't clear. You remember guns pointing at you. You remember jumping over the couch. You remember throwing somebody across the room, throwing a lampshade, smashing it into someone's head. You remember lifting a small metal box and breaking it over someone's face. You remember a sharp stabbing pain and then a crackling jolt ripple through your body. We see Lorian again. He's standing in an auto chop shop. All of these car bodies and car parts around the place, as well as bodies surrounding him. He flips open his communicator and his scepter, that pink orb on top, crackles with a pink and white energy. Dune, it's not here. Do you have it? No. Well, have you called Lokag? What? Oh, I hope he's okay. We must find him. The helm is far too dangerous to have, well, to, to have it be in abusive hands like it might be. And then we're in the library. All of you have just listened to Lorian and Lokag sharing their chain of events that happened that day. Now, Lokag and, well, the rest of you, this helm of the undying is incredibly powerful. See, the lore behind it is there was this wizard in times before vehicles, before cars, before coal. In the ancient times where people rode on horse, there were carts that brought goods from town to town and kingdoms were being made. There was a powerful wizard that was watching over a town. He was obsessed with power and in his 80 human years, he did not gain enough power. He needed more. The only way to gain more power was to continue life. And he was ill and he was old. People in those days, they didn't live much past 80, even wizards. So he devised a plan. He created a ritual which sapped the life force, the souls of all the people in the town that he watched over and bound it to the helmet. Now this helmet was ancient even then. It was some sort of helmet of the gods, it is said. And when he channeled all of the souls of the town, which is said to be hundreds of people, he gained their lifetimes when he wore that helmet and he felt the rush of immortality. But his days were still numbered. For even if there were 300 people in the town or 900 people, he only had that many lives to live. So what did the wizard do? He waged war and he conquered 
He ordered those he commanded not to kill, but to take slaves. And once again, he performed a dark ritual to bind the souls of the people nearby into the helmet. But after time, his greed and his insanity took full force. And all that I've been able to find is that he lost the helmet, along with his head. Now this helmet is said to still have the souls of people in there. But one of the greatest side effects this helm had was being able to spend some of those souls to raise the corpses the souls came from. He went from being a wizard, a, a man who studied, a scholar, to a war-waging necromancer. And he used those bodies, those corpses of those he stole from, to wage the war and conquer. And if somebody has access to this helmet, if they have souls in there, or if they aim to do the ritual here in New Etica, then we have something more evil than anything we have seen in our lifetime at our doorstep. And now there are not many keepers of law left to help me. So I'm begging all of you, you don't have to become seekers. You do not have to become a part of my organization. You don't have to call yourself keepers of law. But if you can help me find this, I will be forever grateful. And no doubt your children and your children's children. And now that you've like taken a second to listen to what you've said, you've noticed that his eyes are watery and he's gripping the armrests on the armchair incredibly tightly. Looks around the room at you all. I don't expect you to say yes right now because this could be very dangerous. I don't know if those Yuntung gangsters were selling it to another gang, if they were selling it to a collector and it's just as simple as that, or if they were selling it to a megacorp. But if some head of a megacorp gets control of that, they have almost unlimited funds. I can't even comprehend what that might mean. So please take some time to think about it. Go and talk with your families if you will, but do not tell them too much. Tell them that you might go on a dangerous mission. It could just be a simple snatch out of an old antique store, but please consider it. Now, after that big dump, do any of you have any questions for me? Oh, yes. Speaking of big dump, wow. Um, yes, I, I thought I'd throw that one in there to light up the room a bit, little moss. Um, dude, look, I'm in. If you need help, I'm in. Like I said, you don't have to answer right now, but thank you, little boss. Thank you. I said I'm in. Gosh. Okay, cool. <laughs> I don't mean to be to offend you, Lorian, but I'm not a member of the Keepers of Law, as you've mentioned, so I don't know what business this is of mine. It's true, you're not a member of the Keepers of Law. You're not a seeker. You're not a scholar, you're a mercenary, and you probably have all the fame and credits you might need, but it goes beyond credits, it goes beyond fame, it goes even beyond what you think is right, because I don't know what what's going to happen, I don't know who was buying that helmet and if the Yuntongs even knew what they were selling. Like I said, I don't I don't know anything. All that I know is I picked up on a trace of its magic. And I know it's its magic because I have traced it before and we found it. Uh, Cortain, I'm not going to try to convince you, but I just want you to think about something. How many people live in Darkhaven? Millions. Tens of millions. Yes, it's almost uncountable. There hasn't been a census in 60 years? Because Darkhaven is too cluttered. There are too many people. Imagine, just imagine, if 
Somebody used the helmet, then the ritual in Darkhaven. All of those souls stored in one person, who then can raise them as warriors to do whatever that person wants. Imagine that was in the hands of a crime boss like the Edict, or in the hands of a corporation who wants to level Darkhaven to build bigger and better things here. They're some of the things that I have fathomed, that I have sat down and thought, what would they want with this helmet? Or like I said, it could just be a collector who wants an old, cool-looking hat. But I don't believe it's that. See, my issue is, clearly you have some magical abilities, and you have magical items, but in all of our dealing, we help each other out, definitely. I have not seen powerful objects or evil that you speak of. What happened with Little Moss? I wasn't there for that. This Helm of the Undying, it just seems that there's always some item that you need us to collect. Some trinket that you claim is very powerful. The keys. The keys we had to get back because of some mystical lore that you mentioned. Don't take offense at this, but I think you might be just talking a big game. Yeah, you should totally do a magic trick, dude. A magic trick? I don't know, or get one of the keys and show us what it does. The keys, they are literally a key to a particular location. It seems each of these keys align with uh, an element, and it seems whatever thing they unlock might lead to elemental planes. So I cannot do it, I cannot show you what these keys do here, for they have to unlock the correct door. But I can show you other magical things. If you want to see something of power, Gortain, I will show you. Go ahead, show us. It will go a long way to help me believe that such magical items exist in the world. Lorien stands up. All right, all of you, come back down to the vaults with me, please. Sick. You all make your way down there down the stairs, through the basement, through the utility door, down a hall, to the vaults. He walks over to vault three. He pulls out a key, passes it to you, Cortain. He takes out a key. This needs two people to unlock at the same time. Now, what I'm going to show you, you cannot speak to anybody about. I cannot open the door, but I can open a shutter which will show you what is inside. Do you agree? All of you? You have my word? Do not tell anybody what is in this vault. I'm a vault. I'm a vault. Alright. So, he places the key in the lock. He instructs you to do the same. He then tells you that you need to place your hand on this bar and you need to rotate the bar because it's like a... Um, if you think of the doors on like a submar submarine, but it doesn't have the circular part, so it's literally just like, um, like an X-bar. You need to, once you place the key, turn it to the right. I need you to rotate your X bar here, this, yeah, that's that there. I need you to rotate it clockwise twice and then anti-clockwise once, and then I'll put in a combination. Now this only unlocks a hatch on three. One, two, three. And he turns it. I turn my key and then follow the instructions. You do the sequence. All of these hydraulic hisses spray from this section that's probably about five feet up on the door, it unclicks. Lorian then grabs this thick rope that's on there and then pulls it, because he can't quite see that high. He pulls it and slides this hatch part across and you look inside. There is this huge, huge vault. The vault door seems to open on the left side of this vault room and the rest of it continues out to the right. It's very dark in there. Lorian flicks these switches and sparks flick. He look he like sort of looks through and he's like, "Ah. Oh, okay. He's destroyed the lights." 
very well. And turns them off. You see this red glow appear. Not quite fire red, it's this pinkish red. And you see like the outline of a head. And then those flames ripple down and you see the outlines of hands and a torso and legs, forearms and a big whipping tail. It looks to be about maybe 15 feet tall, walks over towards the vault and you hear this voice, this guttural voice, these screams. It sounds like the screams of tens of people as this thing talks. Lorian, why have you come? Have you come to jest with me? Have you come to let me back into the world? These walls might hold me, but I walk in your dreams, boy. And then he stops walking forward, this big thing. Ah, food. Finally, have you bought me some food after all these years? And you see this thing come right up to the door. And its skin is this grayish purple brown color. It's, you can see its ribs and stuff like that. Like it looks emaciated, but then there are other parts of it that look incredibly muscular. Its face is basically like a a skull, but that still has flesh on it. And it has these huge horns that curve down towards its face and these orbs of that pinkish red energy. This crown upon its head that is silver, it is stabbing into its head. It looks like it's kind of growing from inside of its skull. And all of this blood is just slowly trickling down this black oozing blood. It places its two right hands, these clawed hands against the wall and these other two on the vault and you hear this scratching sound. Your arcane runes might bind me to this place, but one day, Larian, your light will go out and your runes will dwindle and when they do, I will break free of this prison and lay waste to the kingdoms of this world. Who's looking into this room at the moment? Me. is. Lokag doesn't care. You can all kind of look through it because this, this really thick glass panel hatch that's been opened is probably, I don't know, like three feet long by two feet high. It's still pretty big. You can see in, if you're all looking, I need you to all make wisdom saving throws for me. Moss, 15. Three. And yeah, I wasn't looking. You weren't looking? No. Yeah, you, you, um, you've you heard about someone that is in the vault, but you've never seen them. Spigs got 18. 18. All right. So, Spigs, as you look up, this creature looks down at you, and you feel yourself drawn to stare into its eyes. And you look away. You just feel this feeling of disgust. Little Moss, when this creature looks away from... Spigs, it's turning its head, looks towards you, these glowing pinky red eyes staring through you. You reel back, you sort of like step back, and you also look away. It smiles, turns towards you, Cortain, and you stare into its eyes, and you see that pink red flame and you are at home laying in your bed you hear your communicator ringing you open it Cortain can you you see that can you see it look out your window Cortain what then you see this bright light outside and you go to the window and it seems to be coming down the street this light is coming down the street and it's blocking out all and overpowering all of the neon signs and advertising screens across from you you open your window and you look down the street to the left and there is this white wave of bulging fire and on the edges this pink red flame that licks at buildings and you see cars melt in an instant it wipes past you 
You climb out of rubble. Your skin's burnt. Your left arm is stuck to your torso, holding your ribs. You cannot move it. You look down. It's been fused to you. You're bleeding. You look around. Buildings are crumbling. There are big pools of molten metal. There are others that are climbing out of rubble, burnt, their skin fused together, screaming in anguish. And you look around at the city, and Darkhaven is nothing but ruins. The tall towers of Central District, black, grid-like frames. Floating in the air above Darkhaven, you see this figure that you were staring at only seconds ago, maybe? This four-armed creature with its curling tail, its skull-like head and silver crown, these huge horns curling down and these huge horns protruding up from its forehead. It looks down. You feel a shock run through your body. And then, Cortain, you see the vault hatch has been closed. You're laying on the ground. Your face is wet. You notice that you're sobbing and Lorian is standing there. He's holding this blue gem over you. Cortain, are you are you alright? You look and all the rest of your friends are like standing a few meters back. Your sword is stuck in the concrete wall and there are slashes everywhere. What what happened? There are things in this world, Cortain, that are more powerful than guns and swords and even technomancy, more powerful than magic. There are things that are from beyond this world, and that is one of them. That is a demon, a creature from what some call the hells, others call the abyss, but they are separate places, and I am not exactly sure which one it is from. But before I came to New Etika, this one was summoned and I was able to trap it for a short time until my colleagues bound it here. When it broke free of the crystal that I trapped it in, it was stuck here. For the runes in these walls are one of those things that are powerful beyond anything that you know. Now that helmet that I'm asking you people to get for me, Cortain, it's not that powerful, but it could be. Now, you don't have to join me, but I want to show you. I want you to understand what dangers there are. And this, see this? He throws that little crystal on the ground, and it's charred now, it's cracked. That just saved you. That was an arcane crystal. The creature took control of your mind, Cortain, and it was trying to force you to kill us. And you were sobbing and crying and screaming for your mother. You had no control over yourself. Now, I guess it showed you things, things that it wanted you to see, because that's what it does. It shows you things that you fear, things that give you nightmares, and then it breaks you and takes you and molds you into what it wants you to be. Please, whatever you do, do not tell anybody what is here. For if the corporations find out there is a an otherworldly being here, no doubt they will charge in with their guns and their corporate samurais, their mercenaries, whatever they have, and try and take him and use him. But he cannot be used. He can only be contained. Uh, Lorian, what about that uh, thing he said after you die? Will he still be contained, or...? I don't know. I was hoping, I was really hoping to find somebody that, that is able to understand and channel magic as I do. But I fear that magic is not the same as it once was, so people are not born with those sort of capabilities anymore. People have to use technomancy because it is more capable of controlling magic than people are. Uh. But look, I'm, I'm a gnome, I've got another, oh no, I'm a hundred, two hundred, I've got another hundred years or so left in me and then then I don't know what's going to happen if I haven't find anybody found anybody to learn magic and take my place then 
I guess it's up to the world to put a stop to whatever this thing brings upon us. I will help you find that helmet. Thank you, Cortain. I hope what I showed you hasn't disturbed you too much. I understand you're strong, but that creature is... It, it's disgusting. It's putrid. It's evil incarnate. Now, if you want to learn anything about history that isn't on the casts or on the web that you hadn't been taught in school, absolutely feel free to come and talk to me or read a book, ask me about a topic and I'll find it for you. You guys hear footsteps, footfalls, I should say, running. Somebody tall and heavy is running. Running down the hallway towards you. Dune slides in panting. His white shirt underneath his waistcoat is drenched in the armpits. He's sweating from head to toe. He looks down at his communicator. Lorian, why? Why have you opened it? Is everything okay? Yes, it's fine, Dune. I just believed that they should know what sort of things wander this world, or did and can wander this world. I wanted to show them the truth. It's not just all fancy hover cars and cool robotic arms. There are things that move between and in and out of this world that people in New Etika have never ever seen. You guys hear? The thumping and scratching on the back of the vault door. Um, Lorian, can we can we get out of here, please? <laughs> this thing's freaking me out. Yes, Lorian, you've made your point. I don't want to be here anymore. You all leave the hallway, up the stairs, out of the basement, and into the library proper. Dune fixes everybody some tea, places it down in front of in front of you all Lorian whispers in his ear and Dune walks over to you Cortain, placing his hand on your shoulder, out of his waistcoat pocket he pulls a flask a normal sized flask, not a Goliath sized flask, just a normal sized one it looks tiny in his hands <laughs> and he pours some whiskey in your tea and he says hopefully this helps my friend I've looked into its eyes before too and I and it gave me visions. Visions that broke my heart. Shaking hands, Latane takes the tea and starts drinking. Hey uh Dune, you got any cereal? I'm real hungry, man. I certainly have cereal. We have fruit bites, we have sugar loops, and we also have Lady's Choice. It's my Favorite. It's the best freaking cereal ever. I know, right? As he smiles and looks towards you, little moss. I've been trying to tell the others. Come with me, I'll get you some cereal. Yes! So, uh, Lorian, this, uh, helm, is this the thing that, uh, Lokag had lost? I didn't lose it. It was taken from me. Taken from you, lost it. Same thing, but, yeah, so... Do you know who took it or, or where it is? Lokag says that the Gasuto Mecha took it, like the crime syndicate. But I do not know what they have done with it. And when I felt its magic, it was not in Darkhaven. It is somewhere else in the city. Spigs, that was why I was working for the Gasuto. I'm trying to get information on it. I, Lorian, I swear, I'm going to get it back. Like, I, I brought you this peace offering, the skull, but I, I swear I'll get you, I'll get the helm back. I'll pay off my debts. I will proclaim my honor. Thank you. Lokag, it's, it is good to see you. I hope things are going well for you and your situation. And if you can help these boys and these boys help you get this, everything will be right. Everything will be fine. And if you want to come back and work with us again, you can feel free to. If you don't, that is fine too. Now, Cortain, uh, Spigs, I wonder if you can use 
your contacts at Ultradai to maybe help us find it. I'm not sure what they have access to or what sort of information they can get a hold of, but maybe if you could start there. We can try. Thank you. As he sips his tea, he takes a tome from on, from a little table that's uh, next to him. He opens it up and he flicks through and he walks over to you, Cortain, and he puts the book on your lap and he says, this is about the keys. Have a read of it. Spinks, you should probably have a look too since these keys basically held your wife hostage. Um, it seems that they are of a set. Somebody probably wants to use them to unlock something, but I believe it's to travel between planes, elemental planes. If you read the tome, you will learn a little bit more about those as well, because it does describe them. And as you sip your tea and look through the book, Little Moss comes back with Dune. They both have a bowl of cereal. You begin to sort of just rest a little after that strange encounter. And that is where we'll leave it. Man, you, sh- you shouldn't have been so weak. Yeah. So I, ro- I I rolled for two things. What he was going to show you. Uh, so there was like the big scary one. And the other one was like a pretty cool magic item. And I rolled the scary one. Another thing that I rolled for is the, the crystal. Basically, if it could break the spell that the creature had over you. Ooh. And I rolled a crit for that. Nice. Yeah, I was like, yeah, you almost got your brain nommed. Almost time for a new character. So yeah. there would have been a chance you could have failed. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. It's it's like, it's like, uh, hey, uh, you want to find out what's really in this world? And it's like, delete yeah. character. Have to roll a new one. Have to teach. Have to teach that new character what's real in the world. That character dies. Roll a new one. No, no. You know what would have happened. You know what would have happened. The next episode, everyone rolls a new character because a madman slaughtered everybody in a library and now is running through Darkhaven oh, cutting everyone yeah, up. Oh, yeah, that'd be sick. <laughs> Cortain's the only one who survived. Oh, that was awesome. New campaign, kill Cortain. Thank you for downloading the show. Thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for sharing it with a friend. And thank you for staying inside and staying safe and playing lots of video games, maybe some D&D online with your friends and helping them all keep sane. Something else to keep you insane is to like go back to our website and just listen to all the episodes from start to finish. So also on our website, we've got a few links for the, the shirt, the Facebook and all the things. If you want something for us, check out our website at www.beyondthedice.com. All right, all you cyber nerds slash awesome people, because that's what nerds really are. You totally know that our Instagram is out there, but for the rest of you who don't, you should jump on there and check it out because we post things like this you can't see it but it's awesome yeah at beyond the dice also for any news related to the podcast check out our facebook page at beyond the dice well beyond the dice not that that's for uh, that's for instagram <laughs> oh and yeah i fully went last week to the store and i bought a shirt and little mosses on it and I wore it around and people thought I was awesome so please go and check out all of the amazing merchandise that we have on there everything from D&D to character specific but you wouldn't want anything other than moss anyway um yeah so go there and um if you get a chance guys please uh review us um however you consume your podcasts uh be honest uh give us some really good feedback uh but yeah five out of five would recommend yeah sweet thanks guys so um like trav said if you want to support the show uh, 
in a monetary way, head over to store.beyondthedice.com. But if you can't afford that, we understand that's, that's um, you know, not everybody can be buying t-shirts, but it'd be cool if you could. The way you can support us for free is, like Trav said, by giving us a review uh, and sharing um, the show with a friend. So uh, in saying all that crappy do, please have a good evening and or day. Bye. Ciao. See ya. Catch you guys. Just, did you make my mate Yazuko the Gazuto? <laughs> Yazuko the Gazuto. His affiliation? <laughs> <laughs> oh, because like, it was Gazuto's in his yeah. house. So it's just, that's my mate. Yeah. Yazuko the Gazuto. Yazuko the Gazuto. Oh, so hard to say. That's why I got tongue twisted so much. Just call him Bruce. <laughs> I should have made it. Yeah, I should have called him like Dave yeah. or some shit. Barry.